All right, let's go to Lord in a word of prayer, and then we will um, we'll dive in. All right, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its truthfulness. We thank you for the fact that it calls us to uh, change and to live in conformity and submission to your word. We pray that that would be our desire, and that as we do so, that you would uh, continue to bless us and help us to grow and, and become more like you. And in your name we pray, amen. Um, really not much by way of announcements. Um, you can look at the bulletin, but there's not much in there. Um, sounds like they're working on trying to get the state reopened, at least in some some format. And so when we know more about what all that looks like and what restrictions and um, privileges we will have restored, um, we will let you know so that you can make plans to hopefully join us sometime in May. That's what I'm hoping will be the case. So when we know more about what that will all look like, we will let you know um, so that you can make plans and come and join us once again in person. That'll be nice. Um, so, otherwise, no real big announcements. On Wednesday night, we'll have a Zoom prayer meeting. Uh, you can watch your email and or uh, watch the church's Facebook page um, for a link to that. They'll be posted there sometime on Wednesday, and you'll get an email sometime on Wednesday with the link as well. So, uh, just be watching for that, and otherwise, no big announcements this week that I know of yet. So... All right, blessing with a side of discipline. I don't know about you, but I, I like restaurants. I like going out to restaurants, and I kind of miss the days when you could go out to a restaurant and you could enjoy um, just being seated. You walk into the restaurant, the host or hostess greets you and asks you how many people are in your party and you tell them you know two or three or however many people are with you and they tell you you know it'll be a 10 minute wait it'll be a 15 minute wait whatever the wait is and you wait and then they call your name or they buzz your little buzzer and you walk up and then the waiter comes and asks you what you would like to drink and you tell them water because you're choosing to be healthy and frugal and and then they they bring you your water and they ask you if you're ready to order yet and you've perused the menu and you've examined the various items that you could choose and you've talked about it with your spouse and you've decided that you're going to get this entree and your spouse is going to get that entree and you're going to both get a different side because two of the sides look really good and you can't decide which side you're going to choose. We enjoy choosing sides. We enjoy choosing our entrees. And as we look at this passage and we examine and think about the previous verses and previous chapters that have already occurred in this story about Jacob, it's interesting because Jacob has, has been blessed by God. He's been blessed by God in immense, great ways. And yet, as we look at Jacob's life, there are many times that we've seen Jacob acting, and as he's acted, he's acted with deception, he's acted with guile, he's not acted in an honest and straightforward way. He's sought to deceive his brother, he's sought to deceive his father. And it almost seems like Jacob has this understanding that God will bless him as long as he is deceiving somebody. And he is working behind the scenes to bring about God's blessing. It's, 
He doesn't seem to trust that God will accomplish what God has said he will accomplish. And it almost appears as if God is okay with that up to this point. Because Jacob's gotten away with it. He's been able to live a deceitful, deceptive life. And as he's lived that deceptive, deceitful life, he's seemed to be blessed by God. He's gaining a, a wife in this passage. He's gained the birthright. He's gained the inheritance. He's gained the blessing from his father. And you just sit there looking at it and you're like, is this really who God is? Does God just allow Jacob to walk in and, and choose and pick and choose at the restaurants anything he wants and God is just going to give him in and continue to bless him? Isn't there some sort of secret side that's coming into this picture where maybe, you know, the side that Jacob asked for, he asked for the, you know, garlic mashed potatoes at Applebee's and, you know... Brussels sprouts are snuck in there somehow, or maybe canned beets or some other, you know, disgusting side is offered to him instead. Because that's kind of how we think about life normally operating. Does God just bless and bless and bless those who choose to live a deceptive, deceitful lifestyle? Doesn't God care about Jacob living a righteous life? Will God continue to overlook his trespasses? Is God willing to overlook your trespasses and my trespasses if we persist in them and fail to come before him acknowledging our own sinfulness and seeking to be restored and seeking to, or seeking to acquire his forgiveness? Can the unrepentance expect only God's blessing? And I think this passage really addresses that question. God's blessing does not exempt one from discipline for sin. That's the big idea. God's blessing does not exempt one from discipline for sin. If you would take your Bibles, let's read Genesis chapter 29 verses 1 through 30. Genesis chapter 29 verses 1 through 30. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. And all the flocks would be gathered there. And they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with a sheep. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and then we have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, 
Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told him all Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and, and my flesh. And he stayed with him. For a month. Verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob and he went into her and Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid so it came to pass in the morning that behold it was Leah and he said to Laban what is this you have done to me was it not for Rachel that I served you why have you deceived me and Laban said it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel, his wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years let's go to the lord in a word of prayer father we do thank you for your goodness to us we thank you for your mercy we thank you for the reminder that we can't just look at our lives and say you know god you have blessed me in this way and you've blessed me in that way and you've overlooked you have forgotten those past sins you have forgotten the current sins that i am committing in and, and you don't really care about those, and you're willing to just look over those. No, you are a just God, you're a holy God, you're a righteous God. And you look at our lives, and if there is unconfessed sin in our lives, we may still receive some blessings from you. But it does not preclude the fact that you are a God who judges, and you judge justly and rightly. We pray that as we look at this passage that it would cause us to examine our own hearts, to see areas in our lives where we have trespassed against you, where we have failed to fulfill your high standard of holiness and righteousness. And that as we see those areas in our life that we would come before you humbly, earnestly seeking and anticipating your forgiveness and seeking to live a life that is restored to holiness and righteousness we pray that that would be true of us and in your name we pray amen 
God's blessing does not exempt one from discipline for sin. God's blessing does not exempt one from discipline for sin. God blesses and guides his own. As we, as we look at the first 14 verses of the passage, it's very clear that God is caring for, God is guiding, God is blessing Jacob still. I mean, just imagine with me sending your son, your daughter, on a journey that's a couple hundred miles, and this is, this is all by themselves, with really nothing by way of resources. Now imagine that you're doing that without them having a vehicle, and they're actually sleeping in the open country at times as they make a journey that is a few hundred miles long to go to your relatives who they've never met to secure a bride so that they could come home soon. That was the plan, right? Remember? what Jacob's mom told him as she's working with him to deceive the father Isaac she says your brother Esau is going to kill you when your dad dies and so this is what we're going to do we're going to have you go to my brother Laban's house and when you get there you're going to marry one of his daughters you're going to marry somebody from Haran because I can't bear you marrying one of these Canaanites I can't stand them. So go there. And I'm going to have you there for just a little bit of time and then I will bring you back so that you can be with me because Jacob, I love you and I care for you. And Jacob has been guided in his journey. And he comes to this place and as he sees the, the men there by the well, he asks them, where are you from? And the answer comes back, we are from Haran. That is where he is going. God has guided, God has provided him, much like God guided Abraham's servant as he went to find the wife for Isaac. And so God is guiding, God is protecting, and as he has this conversation with the man, they, they say, yes, indeed, we know Laban, and in fact, that's his daughter coming and Jacob's an astute young man. He understands how animals are to be cared for. And he says, well, this doesn't make much sense for us to have Rachel bring her flock and to just sit here for possibly hours while the flock could be out grazing and, and being well fed and well cared for and growing fatter and providing for their young and having a better herd. It doesn't make any sense that we would just allow these sheep that need to continually feed to just sit here for hours when they could go out because it's, it's early on in the day yet they could go out and feed for much more time if we would just water them and allow them to go on and, and the men are like that's not how we do it we wait till everybody's here and then we finally move the move the stone and then once we move it we move it back and he demonstrates extreme care he's He's caring for Rachel, and he, he moves the stone, and as he moves the stone, he begins a conversation with Rachel, and he tells her who he is, and he begins to weep. And as, as this happens, Rachel goes back to tell her father Laban, and Laban comes back, and you just see the, the joy, the, the reunion that is in this passage. God is blessing 
Jacob. God is leading him. God is caring for him. This is how the plan was supposed to go. And so Laban comes and he runs to meet him and he embraces him and he kisses him and he brings him to his house. And Jacob tells him everything that's happened. God is blessing. God is caring. And you and I might be tempted to look at this story and to think, God doesn't care about Jacob's deception, Jacob's deceit, Jacob's guile in dealing with his brother on at least two different occasions and dealing with his father and stealing the blessing that was to be given. But that's not the end of the story because the story continues to develop as, as the story continues to develop, it becomes very clear that indeed God is a righteous God and he does indeed judge he does examine and see the motives of human beings and as he sees that if there is a lack of repentance if there is indeed no confession no willingness to acknowledge our wrong and to come before him and to confess and to seek his forgiveness then even though Jacob has experienced God's immense blessing and God's promises of even greater blessings in the previous verses if you remember i mean just think through all the promises that god gave to jacob in in chapter 28 verses 10 through 22 he says i am the lord god of abraham your father and the god of isaac the land of which you lie i will give to you and your descendants he's promising him descendants right also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Not only are you going to have descendants, but you're going to have a whole lot of descendants. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and the north and the south, and in you all your seed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the Abrahamic covenant that is being now passed down to Jacob. You're going to be the source of blessing for all the nations. If there's any hope for you and I to be blessed, it's, it's through Jacob. Behold, I am with you and, and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. No doubt Jacob's hearing this said, and what is he thinking? Mom was right. Mom's plan was right. Yes, I'm going to get to go home. I'm going to see my mom again. But doesn't seem like Jacob ever got to see his mom again. Why? Because God disciplines Jacob as he enters into Haran. What he thought was going to be a short period of time of enjoying himself in Haran actually by the end becomes a very bitter and hard time for him, not only in his work life, but also in his family life. Yes, God continues to bless him. God continues to fulfill his promises. But God also disciplines him. God brings very hard things into Jacob's life. In verse 15, Laban comes and tells Jacob, just because you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh doesn't mean that you should serve me for nothing. It's interesting as we work through this passage just how many times the idea of service comes up. And the idea is Jacob is a servant. Life isn't bright and colorful. It's not all rainbows by the end of this passage. 
Jacob's life becomes hard. He's burdened with work that he does not want by the end of the passage. And so he asks him, what, what, what do you want to work for? And he says, well, I, I'd really like to marry your daughter, Rachel, and I'll serve you seven years for that, which is an awesome bargain when you look at you know what was wages have been for seven years compared to the average bridal price jacob is offering a very generous sum to marry his favorite um bride potential rachel typically a bride price might be about three four years something like that and he's offering seven years close to double what would be the normal bride price. He's offering a generous sum to marry Rachel, and he's happy to do it. And it's interesting, as the text moves on, Laban says, well, that's a great idea. I'd be happy to give you Rachel. It's better for me to give her to you than to give her to anybody else because you're, you're part of my own family. And we don't know when exactly Laban began to very think deceptively through this whole situation. But at some point, Laban's plan is very deceptive. Whether that's right here or whether that's later on in the next couple of years or whether that's on the wedding day, Laban becomes deceptive. And Laban becomes the source of discipline that God will use to punish his child whom he has blessed and will continue to bless but it serves as an example for you and I sometimes we can look at our lives we can look at all of God's blessings God's goodness to us and as we look at all those things it's like God is blessing God is taking care of me and we can forget that our sin is something that God wants us to come before him and to confess. And if we fail to, God disciplines his children whom he loves. Why? Because he wants to use it as an opportunity to teach and to instruct and to guide us back to what is right, to what is truthful, to what is good. It's interesting, as, as Jacob goes through this time period in verse 20, he serves for seven years for Rachel. And what's the descriptive of those seven years? Jacob felt like they were just a few days. Why? Because he loved Rachel. And he loved her so much that he, he desperately wanted to marry her, and it felt like the time just flew by. And the text jumps ahead, and it doesn't tell us about those seven years. Why? Because they're enjoyable. Jacob doesn't mind the work. He's happy to do it because he has the end goal in sight. He's excited about his bride. And so the seven years are completed, and he tells Laban to give him his bride. And Laban says nothing in response but he calls a feast. And perhaps that's telling us that Laban has already, as he's calling this feast, made a decision to live deceptively. And so he calls the feast and instead of giving Rachel, he exchanges her for Leah and he gives Jacob Leah instead of Rachel. 
and then the text fast forwards in verse 25 the morning has come Jacob wakes up he was probably in some sort of stupor from imbibing in too much alcohol plus the the tent would have been dark most likely and between those complicating factors he has now consummated his marriage with the wrong woman and you can see the anger the the malice the angst that is in Jacob as he approaches Laban in verse 25 and he says what is this that you have done was it not for Rachel that I served you once again that idea of service it's it's a big part of the punishment. It's a big part of God's discipline in Jacob's life is this hard service that he's going to go through. Why have you deceived me? Jacob has sown deceit. Jacob has sown deception. He has lived a dishonest life. His actions have demonstrated that he thinks that he has to live a deceptive lifestyle in order to achieve what God has promised him he will receive. And yet when the table turns, Jacob is upset. God is disciplining. God is rebuking. God is correcting Jacob. text moves on and Laban says you know that's not how we do things here we can't allow the younger daughter to get married before the older daughter that's just inappropriate it's not nice it's not right that's not how we culturally operate so of course I had to give you Leah first but it's okay dude you just finish this one week of marriage celebration with her and I'll give you Rachel and then you can work another seven years You'll have the bride you want. I have fulfilled my cultural responsibilities. It's a win-win. And Jacob's hands are really tied. He doesn't love Leah. He does not want Leah as a wife. He wants Rachel. And so he, of course, agrees to it. So he did so. And he fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. It's interesting, right? Earlier, the time flies by in verse 20, right? So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days. But now, serve still another seven years of service, drooling service. God is disciplining him. Over a period of seven years, and an additional aspect of the discipline, I believe, is a, a family that is broken, that is not operating as God's intent. Jacob has two wives. And as we enter into chapter uh, 29, verses 31, and then into chapter 30, you see the pain, the heartache, the trials, the hardship 
that Jacob goes through because he has two wives. Two wives that are unwilling to get along. Two wives that are constantly bickering and fighting and trying to acquire more of Jacob's love and affection. I believe it's also part of God's discipline. God isn't saying through this text that it is okay to have multiple wives. No, what God is saying is this is discipline. This is punishment. Why? Because Jacob has lived in sin and has failed to come before God and to repent of his sin. And so he serves another seven years. And he also has a family that lives in constant turmoil, constant bickering. And the question is, as you and I experience God's blessing, we experience God's goodness, we looked at many of the things that God does currently for us to bless us, to allow us to be able to experience his grace, to, to bestow upon us his grace, to allow us to have a church family that comes around us and ministers to us and cares for us, to allow us to have songs that encourage and strengthen strengthen our relationship and our resolve to continue to live in faithfulness and uh, obedience to God's word, to have his word that we can read and meditate. And as we meditate on his word, it allows us to be built up into the body so that we can serve one another and so that we can grow into the full knowledge and understanding of who God is. That's what scripture gives us. That's, those are some of the blessings that we have from God. And it's easy sometimes for us to think, well, I have all these things. God's okay with my past sin. God's okay with the sin that I am still committing. And he is not. What God wants of you and what God wants of me is for us to examine our lives and to say, where have I failed? Where have I offended a holy, righteous, good, just God? Where is he calling me to repentance? Where is he calling me to faithfulness before him? God's blessing does not negate or mean sin is not present. Just because we enjoy these blessings from God, just because Jacob enjoyed God's guidance, God's leading, God's acceptance through Laban and allowing him to come into his house and welcoming him in such a, a, in such a warm and loving way, does not mean that there is no sin that you and I need to examine our lives for. And as we see it, does not mean that we don't need to confess it and to repent of it and to turn from it and to seek to live a life that is honoring and glorifying to God. God disciplines because he does not forget unconfessed sin. God disciplines Jacob because he does not forget unconfessed sin. And believer, God will discipline you and God will discipline me if we persist in unconfessed sin. You can take it to the bank. Eventually, you will receive a side that you do not ask for. 
you might think that you're going to get those crispy french fries but you'll end up with mashed broccoli it's like canned it's nasty it's god's discipline why because of unconfessed sin but God doesn't do this all vindictively in order to hurt and to cause you pain and that's the end goal just to kind of squash you because you didn't obey. No, God disciplines in order to teach and to direct and to train you and I so that we change. We live in righteousness. We live in holiness before him. We follow the example that we have in scripture and we seek to conform Every area of our life, every motive of our life, every ambition, every passion, every pleasure of our life into what his will is, what his plan is. That's why God disciplines. But it's far more sweet. The sides are far more enjoyable if you and I are willing to come before God and to confess without receiving the side of discipline that he must offer if we fail to confess and to forsake sin that is in our lives. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there something that you're hiding or not willing to completely give up? I think what this passage calls on you and I to do is to examine our lives and to say, where am I not measuring up to the high holy standard of God? And as we look at our lives and as we examine our lives and we compare it to the testimony of scripture and we see, you know, I don't measure up in this area. God's desire for your life, God's desire for my life is that we would Come before him in humility and confess, I don't measure up to your holy, righteous, high standard. And I never could. And I need your help. And sometimes it requires that we go and we seek other help as well. Perhaps you're listening and as you think about all this, you're perplexed and you wonder how anybody could, could live and receive God's blessing because as you look at your life, you, you find it difficult to understand how God's word is a source of blessing, how God's grace is a source of blessing that allows believers to live in conformity to God's word. You don't understand how singing is a source of encouragement and a source of enrichment in our lives. And that could be the result of a fact that you have never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never realized that your past sins are weighty. And that they are a grave offense before a holy, righteous good God and that because of those sins you must face a judgment and, and the judgment isn't something that you can even pay 
The judgment requires your eternal life. It requires eternal separation from this God. And yet this God in his grace and in his mercy and his goodness chose to send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to come and to live amongst sinful humanity, to go to the cross, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins, so that if we acknowledge our sins and we come before him and we confess our sins and place our faith in his finished work, we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. We can trust in his forgiveness. And as we do so, we can begin to receive and enjoy the many blessings that God's word promises to those who have placed their faith only in Christ Jesus' finished work. If you'd like to know more about that, I'd be happy to talk to you. If you'd like to consider some of these other aspects of the text, I'd be happy to, happy to work through them and talk through some of them with you. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that you give us in Jacob's life. It's scary to think about discipline from you. We look at the, the discipline that Jacob received and it is, it is minuscule compared to the discipline that many have received and many will receive, both in this earthly life and also and the life that is to come. God, we pray that as we contemplate the fact that you are a good God, that you have provided us the, the means and the ability to come before you and to receive forgiveness, that we would do that, that we would seek to be in a restored relationship with you, and that we would pursue a holy life before you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have a Zoom prayer meeting at 7 p.m. this Wednesday. We'd encourage you to join us if you don't have a place where you already worship. Thank you. Have a good evening.